Do you remember a time in your life when you were disciplined? Ooh, I saw some eye rolls and some head nods and some chuckles. Right? Do you remember a time in your life when you were disciplined? For me, that time would have to be in fifth grade, about the time I was my boy's age. And I actually, it's funny how God works, right? Tomorrow we go and we take these cards and we will go and bless Croswell Drive Elementary School. Well, I'm a product of Croswell Drive Elementary School. I went there in November of second grade. And um, when I was in fifth grade, I was... Hmm. I was a little boisterous. Yeah, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree for our boys. I was a little boisterous. I was a little uh, rebellious. I was a little combative. I was a little too big for my britches, right? As they might say, I, I had a problem with talking back. And I, as I began to prepare this message and I began to think about discipline, I thought about that time in fifth grade that just talking back and, and, and speaking up instead of being quiet when the teacher told me not to or talking when I wasn't supposed to be talking, imagine that. I got written up. I got written up. I got written up. And finally, I got written up enough that my parents had checked this little box on the back of my enrollment stuff that said, Corporal punishment is allowed. And so I misbehaved enough that year to where I got paddled. And let me tell you what, friends, that was a time in my life that was painful. But as I look back now, it was a turning point in my life. Okay? It was a time in my life to where I was disciplined. And because of that discipline, it changed the trajectory of where I was headed. The funny thing is that I remember both of the people. Mr. McDuffie was the one who paddled me, and Miss Mims, the school nurse, was the one who had to witness. And what's funny is I run into them now as an adult, and I see them, and we talk about that story. They don't necessarily remember that because I'm pretty sure they paddled many a kid, and I was probably no different, and I took my punishment like I was supposed to. But what's funny is seeing Miss Mims, I'm probably closer to her, and to just laugh about that story every time when we see each other. So this morning I want to tell you this message, like many others, I pray and I prepare, but all too often seeds of doubt are scattered by the enemy. And you would think, as I had two weeks to kind of prepare on chew on this message, that it would be delivered this morning flawlessly, and it would be delivered this morning with clarity, and it would be delivered this morning without any uh, a doubt. But as I look in the mirror and I reflect on my own life and where I struggle with the text at hand, you see, God makes me live out what I'm preaching. Right As I struggled with some stuff at the beginning of the week, I was talking with a pastor friend while we were at an event. It was Feed My Starving Children that took place at the Civic Center. And, and he reminded me ever so, ever so slightly, and just in a whisper, he was like, well, you know, God's just making you live out that text you're getting ready to prepare to preach. And so, friends, I stand before you this morning not acting as if I have it all together because this can be difficult, but it's true. And so, as you know, we're currently going through a series on fruit in the life of a believer. And so, in essence, we're talking about what are some good characteristics that should be noticeable in a follower of Christ. Thus far, we have said in the life of a believer, there should be evidence of pointing others to Christ. 
There should be a lifestyle of praising God no matter the circumstances. And you should be pleased to give. Not just financially, but of your resources, of your time, and of your energy to further His kingdom, to further His cause so that others might come to know Christ. We said that spiritual fruit is when men and women show their relationship with Christ by their conduct. We've also said almost every time we've preached, I think, that the quality of fruit reveals in trees and in men the quality of the life within. Friends, we are to live a life pointing others to our source of hope, of strength, and of truth. And we're to be praising God and being pleased to give. But lastly, remember that spiritual fruit will never grow if spiritual seeds are never scattered. So what else does the Bible say about fruit? If you will, take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. And as you're turning there this morning, I just want to remind you of a few things. I want to remind you and tell you that today we're looking at another fruit called peaceful righteousness. Peaceful righteousness. But what about Hebrews? Well, I want to remind you that it was written around A.D. 70 to the Hebrew Christians. And they are most likely the second generation of believers who have, uh, may have considered returning to Judaism. Why? Because of immaturity which stemmed from a lack of biblical truths. The readers of this letter were probably undergoing fierce persecution, both socially and physically. Ultimately, they were looking for reassurance that Christianity was indeed true and that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So let's look this morning at Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at two verses. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. It says, For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful, rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. For they disciplined us. Who is that? That is our parents. The writer of Hebrew is reminding the Hebrews and he's reminding us today that listen, they disciplined us For a short time. You think about it. Uh, Parents, grandparents, your children. They're only under your leadership. They're only under your direction. They're only under your roof for a short time. You can, And listen, it says, I'm thankful the word says, for they disciplined us for for a short time, what? As it seemed best to them. Friends, as I asked you this morning, do you remember a time in your life when you were disciplined? Maybe there was a time that you were disciplined that you don't look back on fondly. As we talked about, as we opened this morning, sometimes parents, sometimes other Christians miss the mark. Right? Sometimes they were disciplined out of anger or frustration instead of love. But honestly, they did the best that they could. But then the writer of Hebrews goes on and he says, For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But He, He 
That's God. He says, disciplines us for what? For our good. For our good. Why? So that we may share in His holiness. Listen, He doesn't discipline us because He has nothing else to do. He he doesn't discipline us to be mean. He doesn't discipline us to be vengeful. No, God disciplines us because it is for our good. We must remember that it serves a greater purpose. And its purpose is to make us more like Jesus. Friends, when you realize the purpose, it changes your perspective. Did you get that? When you think about the discipline of God, when you realize the purpose, as the writer of Hebrews is telling us this morning, it should change your perspective. It gets better. Just hang on. Wait for it. So why discipline us? Well, as we've said, so that we may share in His holiness. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says this, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices are your obedience to His voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. You see, prayer and obedience brings the blessings of God. As y'all know, one of the sources that, as I'm kind of preparing a message, uh, I go through this database of emails and devotionals that I have. And one of the ones that's in there a lot that I've gotten emailed over the years was from a group called Wisdom Hunters. You can look them up, Wisdom Hunters. And a great devotional they send. They send you an image with like a, a, a nugget of wisdom at the top and send you a great, it has a portion of scripture and then it expounds on that then it has a prayer and it has like another wisdom nugget of wisdom that you can share has a song usually like a youtube video that you can go and listen to but listen since i was preparing this i began to look through those devotionals and i ran across a devotional that was talking about discipline and listen to what it says it says the almighty uses different avenues to deliver his discipline it may come through finances relationships, or health. Don't despise His discipline or be surprised by it. How you handle God's discipline can weaken or strengthen your faith. Listen to what they said next. For the fruit of God's discipline is intimacy. The fruit of God's discipline is intimacy. As as the... the, I'm going to digress for a second. Today's title is Peaceful Righteousness. Originally, um, one of the sources where I kind of got this uh, outline in my study Bible of these peaceful, of of these different fruits, the original uh, notion that they had was living a godly life, right? And so then when I was writing it down, we've kind of been on this, you know, pointing others to Christ, praising God, pleased to give. And so then I wrote down, painful for a moment. Painful for a moment was the original title of this message. But then as I dug and as I study and as I saw, the goal here is a peaceful righteousness. And as the writer of Wisdom Hunters is talking about, for the fruit of God's discipline is intimacy. That means that you will be closer to Him in and through that discipline, in and through that pain, in and through that struggle. Not that you'll walk further away from Him, but that you may walk closer towards Him. They go on to say, closeness to Christ and to others comes as a result of discipline. Furthermore, divine discipline is training in peace. 
His peace dwells in the hearts of those who receive well the discipline of their Heavenly Father. There is no greater peaceful feeling than knowing your Lord loves you. His love with discipline leads to blessings. They called your attention to this. The Bible says, Blessed is the man whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. That's Job 5.17. Blessed is the man whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. And then they, as I have stood before you many a times and talked about a prayer. What is a prayer as you're going through discipline? What, what might a simple prayer look like? Wisdom Hunters gives us one. They said, Father, teach me through your discipline to become a more devoted follower of Jesus. Maybe we could shorten that a little bit. Father, teach me through your discipline to cling more to you. Right? There's a simple prayer. That's a way for us to live this out. So for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but He, God, disciplines us for what? Our good, so that why? So that we may share in His Holiness. Then verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It's painful for a moment, but it has a purpose. And I don't know about you this morning, but have you ever wanted to ask God to define a moment? Right? As you read this scripture, this, as we read this scripture this morning, have you ever said, well, it's painful for a moment, but God, this is a long moment. His moment and His moments are not ours. As we see moments of time. Second Peter 3, 8 through 9 says this, But do not overlook this fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Remember the Old Testament in Isaiah that God says that your ways are not my ways and that my ways are higher than yours? Friends, you know, God's timing and our timing are not always the same. You know, we live in an instant have-it-your-way society that we want to pray these prayers. We want to come to an altar. We want to sit in a pew. We want to pray, and we want to walk out the door and say, well, God, where is it? I don't, I don't see what I asked for. I don't, I don't see more money in my bank account. I don't see this person healed. I don't see this person attending church that I've been praying for faithfully. Where is it, God? God's timing and your timing are not the same. But we should have hope. We should have a peace this morning to know that it's for a moment. And however that moment is in your life, I don't know. It could be days. It could be hours. It could be weeks. It could be years. But listen, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Are you not thankful that God's patient Toward you? Right? I mean, think about that for a moment. God is patient towards you. The time that, you know, Old Testament we read someone does sins and poof, there, they're gone. You know what I mean? God doesn't do that to us today. But if, if God is patient with us, how much more should we be patient with those in our life? Right? 
with our loved ones, with our family. But let's go a little personal this morning. How much more should we be patient with those who go to church with us? Right? We need to remember that God's patient with us. Be patient with them. We all, as we mentioned this morning, we all have next steps that we need to take. We all are on the path towards Jesus, but we're all somewhere different in that path, friends. We're all somewhere different in our spiritual maturity. You might have mastered gossip, not gossiping, sorry. Or you could, you could have mastered gossiping too, but you might have mastered not gossiping, but then there's someone else over here that they have a loose tongue. Pray for them. Encourage them. As we'll talk about in weeks to come, go to that person. That person. Y'all say him, not them. Him, not them. Say it with me. Him, not them. All right, one more time. Him, not them. So in Matthew chapter 18, one of the messages I heard at the Coastal Evangelism Conference is, friends, when that person sins against you, you go to him, not them. You don't go to everybody else and say, well, let me tell you what Terry did. Uh, did you hear what Terry did? Did you hear what Terry did? Sorry, Terry, you just always get picked on. I shouldn't pick on my family. Betsy, did you hear Did you hear what Terry did? You know, Cindy, did you hear what Terry did? No. If Terry offended me or Terry did something that I don't necessarily care for, guess what? I shouldn't go to all of them. I should go to Terry. And I should say, Terry, hey, you know, the other day we were talking and go humbly, friends. Pray before you go. Pray before you go into that conversation. The Lord will give you the words to say. And go with a humble spirit. Humility, you can learn from anybody. Right? With a humble spirit, you can learn from anybody. So if you go and you say, Terry, you know we were talking the other day and, and you said this and it just didn't sit right with me. And I bet you a lot of times, has that happened in my own life? Yeah, it's happened in my own life. And when you go to that person and you tell them that, they're like, oh my goodness, I never would have imagined that. I never would have imagined what I said or how I said that would offend you. I'm sorry. Right, so then there's there's unity again. So him, not them. You'll hear that a lot. But anyway, verse nine. So the Lord is not slow to fulfill His purposes. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you. We've talked about that. Aren't you thankful for that? Not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. The goal is repentance. Painful training leads to peaceful righteousness. God is using what you're going through. Friends, if you don't hear anything else this morning, God is using what you're going through to prepare you. He's using it to prepare you to trust Him more. He's using it to draw you closer to Himself. Right? Because we have an option. When that thing comes and into our lives and we're dealt with some hand that we didn't say, well, Lord, I didn't want this hand dealt to me. We have one of two options. We can either walk away in pity and in doubt and just woe is me and be an Eeyore. Watch Christopher Robin, the new Winnie Pooh movie yesterday. So you can be an Eeyore, woe is me, you know, I don't know. Or you can just say, okay, God, I'm going to walk closer to you. I'm going to step into this mess with you. I'm going to ask you, what do you want me to see through this? Right? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? And then God is using what you're going through so you can help someone else. Right? God is using what you're going through so you can help someone else. So friends, we see for a moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, later, it yields. 
Interesting word there, yield. And I began to, when I thought about yield, there's so many things that you can think of, but for some odd reason, I thought of my buddy, Pastor Jim Johnson. I thought of his garden. He has a little garden, actually it's a pretty big garden, out behind his house. And so as I pass, he lives kind of on the corner in little trees, but as I pass each day on Kingsbury, going to and from my house, I can see his garden, right? Sometimes he's working in it, sometimes he has the sprinkler going, and Sometimes, you know, it starts off as nothing and then things get tall. I guess he's growing corn and that kind of stuff. And so I thought about my buddy Jim Johnson's garden when I thought about the word yield. And so listen, for Pastor Jim, he has to prepare. He has to plant. And some of his things that he's growing, he has to protect, right, from animals or things that would want to get in and want to eat it. So he has to prepare, he has to plant, he has to protect. But what else does he have to do? He has to water. God sends rain, but he sometimes maybe we don't get enough rain, so we're blessed that we have water, that we can water things. He has to weed, and he has to wait. So when we think about yielding, listen, but I want to I draw your attention to that word wait. God grows you more in times of waiting than any other time. Amen? And so then the garden yields the fruit of his labor, and he gets to pick what is grown. Listen, we must remember that the discipline of the Lord has a purpose. It's painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the fruit of peaceful righteousness. Friends, let's not focus on the pain, for He tells us that it's just for a moment. But focus on the Savior. We must remember there's a purpose for the pain, for His discipline. That those who have peaceful righteousness are those who have been trained by God's discipline. Listen, trust God and allow His timing and His training to transform you into who He wants you to be. Let me repeat that. Trust God and allow His timing and His training to transform you into who He wants you to be. And I told you today's message was kind of on the title, on the notion of, or the subject of peaceful righteousness. So let's look at those two words, right? Because I began to just wrestle with those words, right? In this passage, we see discipline and we see pain and then we see peaceful. And I'm like, God, how do pain and peaceful go together, right? How, how are these two even there together? So let's look at peaceful righteousness, You see, peace is an absence of inner and outer conflict. It's unity. It's wholeness. Peace. The Hebrew word shalom was a common biblical greeting that wished both the absence of conflict and God's highest blessing. Shalom. Shalom. Think about it for a second. What do we typically pray when we pray on behalf of others? That God's peace and presence be felt. If there is peace, God is present. Right? God is a God of peace. That inner and outer conflict. The only way to true peace is through a right relationship with Jesus. Righteousness. Righteousness. Well, that just means to be right. Right? Right with God. That's what it means. It means to be right with God. 
It's not by works or good acts, but only by Jesus that you are made right in the sight of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, righteousness is when your life matches with God's commandments, love, and purpose. It's when your actions flow from a love for God because of a relationship with God. Did you hear me? It's when your actions flow from a love for God because of a relationship with God. As we've been talking each and every week, you know, what are, what are some good characteristics? What are fruit that we're supposed to have in our lives? And I've asked you each week, let's take a fruit check, right? Let's take a fruit check. Is there peaceful righteousness in your life? Is there peace? Is there that um, absence of inner and outer conflict? And is there righteousness? Is there that connection with God that matches with His commandments and His love? That you should have love for one another, love for your neighbor, love for those that He places in your path. Friends, we aren't supposed to just love the ones who can love us back. Because that, that's what the world does, right? I, I'll love you if you love me back. No, friends, we are supposed to be connected to the love, the greatest love, and through us, His love is supposed to flow to others. That doesn't mean we're, there are going to be times when we don't like people and we don't want people in our path. But, friends, we have to stop in that moment and say, God, will your love flow through me? So what about you this morning? How can we live out these uh, these verses? How can we live out the truths that we've talked about this morning? So I want to ask you, how is your relationship with Jesus? Right? How is your relationship with Jesus? If you want there to be spiritual fruit, if if you want there to be good characteristics of Christ in your life, Spiritual fruit does not grow without planting spiritual seeds. And every Sunday when you come here, my hope and prayer is that we will scatter spiritual seeds, spiritual hope, spiritual love, right? Seeds from His Word, not from truths of man. You can get that anywhere. You can turn on the TV. That's not going to help you. This is going to help you. right? If we get into it, if we dive into God's Word, if we spend time with the Lord... So how is your relationship with Jesus? Is there one? And are you seeing your pain through the lens of God's Word? Now here's a, here's a fruit check. Would others around you say that there is a fruit of peaceful righteousness that's apparent in your life? Is there the fruit of peaceful righteousness a parent in your life. Or are you like chicken little, the sky's falling. Every little thing that happens, oh my goodness, this is such a detriment. Is it? Is it? Perspective. When you look at your pain, when you look at what's going on in your life, you look to the Savior. There's a purpose and it changes your perspective. Listen, discipline is painful and your pain is real. When there's pain in your life, look to Jesus. He understands his pain was real too. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was ran out of town. Jesus was betrayed. There was a man with him, Judas Iscariot, that was with him. And and, and he was walking and talking. And he was like the 
money keeper in the Lord's group and his disciples, and he was betrayed by one who spent a lot of time with him. But if you'll see, quick side note, Jesus knew that's what he was going to do, but he loved him anyway. He didn't boot him out. He kept him near. Right? He, he continued to minister to him. So just because you may think that someone's going to do something to you, guess what? Keep loving them. Keep encouraging them. Keep allowing them to be a part of your story. Keep, keep trying to minister to them. So Jesus was mocked. He was ran out of town. He was betrayed. He was beaten to the point of death. Right? I preached on it one um, Easter. He was beaten with what they call a cat of nine tails, which was basically a whip with bones and other shards of rock and everything else. And when they beat our Savior, it literally wrapped around him. And when they snatched it back, it would literally snatch his flesh. Right? So when you want to talk about pain and what you're going through, do you think our Savior knows what pain is? think he does. Because guess what? There were many of men beaten with a cat of nine tails. You can look it up. It's in history. People like Josephus wrote about it. People died on the cross. Jesus wasn't the only person that died on the cross, but Jesus took the cross and he made it something beautiful. It was an object of shame in his day, but he took something that was shameful and he made it into an object of beauty. He took our cross and our shame so that we wouldn't have to bear that. And he was nailed to a cross naked. Right? He was, he, was, he, was, he was crucified in a humiliating way. Friends, don't miss this point. His father turned his back on him because he couldn't look on sin. So when you want to talk about pain, you want to talk about disgrace, you want to talk about people stabbing you in the back, you want to talk about people mistreating you, look to Jesus. He died. But friends, aren't you thankful that the story doesn't end there? Right? He he arose, he defeated death, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, what? Interceding on our behalf. Right? And we're praying to God, and we pray through what? Through Jesus' name. So when we're praying, God, Jesus is sitting there saying, okay, God, this is a need in their life. You know, he, he's interceding on our behalf. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is our intercessor? Listen, Jesus' life had a purpose. It was to teach us and it was to give us an example. Jesus' life had purpose. Jesus' pain had a purpose. That purpose of His pain was so He could feel what you and I feel. God in flesh came down, was born through the virgin, right? Virgin birth. He walked tall. He was a man, took on flesh, was in this world, What do we say? We said that he was mocked. He was ran out of town. He was betrayed. He was beaten. He was nailed to a cross. He died. Why? So that he can feel what we feel. And Jesus' death and resurrection had a purpose. It was to save us. Listen, friends, you have a purpose. You have a story. You have a testimony. You have an experience of discipline in the trials of your life that someone else needs to hear. Your life has a purpose. Share what God's done in your life and how He's prepared and trained and disciplined you to become the man or the woman that you have become. 
So each week as we get to this portion of the service, I always ask myself the question, how can we live this out together? I ask myself that each week. How can we live this out together? And I think we need to be mindful that those around us are going through things we can't see, that we aren't privileged to know about. Sometimes we are, but oftentimes we're not. Friends, there should be grace. There should be patience. There should be love. But we must point and pray and point others to Jesus. Right? We must pray and point others to Jesus. But I have a word of caution for you this morning. When you're praying with others, what we pray matters. Right? So before you pray with somebody, you don't pray what your will is or what you think God should be doing for their life. But you have to get in tune and be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Because here's why. I heard this when I was in youth ministry and I've never forgotten it. And that is, as you're praying with a friend, as you're praying for a loved one, as you're praying in your small group or your Sunday school class, right, together, don't give people a false sense of hope. And what I mean by that is, we want to pray sometimes, Lord, take this burden from them. But can I caution you this morning that maybe that burden, maybe that discipline, maybe that, maybe that hand of God is upon them because He's disciplined them. Right? They've got to go through that and look to Jesus so that He can make them more like Him. So when you pray, be cautious of how you pray. Right? Don't give people a false sense of hope, a false sense of security. But the best thing that you can do is pray and say, God... I hear their pain. I see what they're going through. Lord, will you just continue to walk by them? Will you draw them closer to you? Will you make your peace and your presence felt in their lives? Will you help them understand why they're going through what they're going through? Right? Because if we say, God, take them from, take this burden from them, that might just be the exact place God wants them to be. So this morning, if you know Jesus and you're walking with him, keep walking. Right? When He's disciplining you, keep your eyes on Him. Remember, there's a purpose for your pain, and it's for a moment. The goal is He's making you more like Himself. Some of you this morning, you might have walked with Jesus, but the things of life have stolen your attention and your devotion to Him. Repent. And turn back to Jesus. Your struggle or situation could be His discipline to draw you back to Him. And then this morning, there very well could be someone here today who doesn't know Jesus. Right? You can't walk with someone you don't know. So I ask you this morning, do you know Jesus? And do you know He has a plan for your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that your discipline has a purpose. God, thank you that your discipline is but for a moment. God, sometimes that moment, I, I want it to be over like that. God, that's not your plan. That's not your will. And that's not your way. God, help me to lean and to trust and to look to you. Father, I pray that as we leave this place today, as we've talked about fruit these last few weeks, that those things that we've talked about would be 
apparent in our life, that we would be pointing others to you, that we would be praising you in every circumstance, that we would be pleased to give of our time, our money, our resources, of our energy. And God, ultimately, may there be peaceful righteousness in my life so that I may know peace and that I may point others to you. Father, I pray as we sing this song, is there anyone here today who needs to do business with you? I pray that they'd take that moment in their pew at this altar and they'd talk with you. They'd, they'd share what's on their heart and on their mind. And they'd get right with you, Lord, that they would take that next step towards you. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. For it's in your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.